1: Hello, and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad that you're joining us here today. And as always, you're going to be glad that you joined us because we have a guest who specializes in helping individuals get back to work after a caregiving break. And Leanne Rod is a certified career coach, as well as director of talent for flex, Flex Professionals. So thank you so much for joining us, Leanne. We're happy to have you here. Thank you, Marie. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yes, so it has been, <laughs> it's been quite the last 18 months for caregivers, no matter if they're taking care of children or aging parents or anything there in between. Um, it's been quite a ride. What What have you seen in the last 18 months focused on this population? Well, quite a
2: ride is a good way to start to describe it because it's really been a lot of, of ups, and downs, maybe more downs than ups, certainly in the in the workforce um, and in the labor pool. Um, we work mostly with women. so I'm going to refer to women throughout some of my comments, but just to let you know, we work with women and men. I think this can apply to anyone who's in a caregiving role. Um, but you know, looking back to pre-pandemic, it seems like a long time ago now, but back in January 2020, women had just hit the scale to a 10-year high um, at almost fifty percent, 51% of the professional workforce. And fast forward to September 2021 in the most recent job report, that number in the span of exactly 18 months dropped to a 33-year low. So from 10 high to 33 low. So the pandemic has really been a major stress test. Um, and even creating a care crisis within our within our country and within our economy. Um, Two thirds of caregivers are women, and we've all either experienced directly or heard from friends and news reports that women have shouldered a disproportionate amount of responsibility for childcare, for homeschooling, the things you mentioned, elder care, and added on to that is this layer of what the pandemic has brought, which is things, new things like scheduling vaccines and tests and crunching data and providing some mental health support for both immediate and extended family and so on. Um, so as we look toward returning to a full economy, we're seeing some positive signs in unemployment numbers for sure. But there's still a lag for women, especially when you consider the number who are no longer participating in the labor market. And this applies to all caregivers. Um, In the staffing industry, for example, we thought September would be the quote-unquote magic month of people returning to work when the school year started, Um, but then along came those September labor statistics, which showed showed us otherwise, and we felt that at work as well and and showed us that, you know, there were almost 200,000 net jobs created during the month, but in the month of September of this year, not last year, but this year, 300,000 women left the workforce. Which is a really, really huge and and big loss. Um so and for people who are currently working, especially women who are working in um, in paid roles, um, also recently out is the McKinsey Consulting and Lean In report. Um, they collaborate every year on the women in workforce report, focusing mostly on corp- corporate roles. But this year's findings showed a really significant increase to um, one and four women considering a downshift in their careers. That had been one in three just one year prior. So the primary drivers that they noted were stress and exhaustion. Women with children under 10 were working an average of three more hours per day than their male counterparts.
1: Um, in oh, yeah, different I, I, I resemble households. that remark.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it, it, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. It's, it's a really nuanced situation. Um, but, you know, it, in the work world, women have also um, taken on more resp- responsibility of some of the less visible and unrecognized tasks that are super important, like um, heading up diversity, inclusion and, and belonging initiatives at work. And so there's a lot of stress and, and overwhelm that comes along with the dual roles that most, you know, a lot of women are in. In our work at Flex Professionals, we do work primarily with parents who have taken a career break, or downshifted, or pivoted in some way, pivoted their career. So this gives us this this kind of unique daily lens into workforce dynamics and this a growing mismatch between open roles and the people who are looking for jobs. Our roles are always flexible. That's one thing that we require whenever we take something on. So whether it's part time or project or full time flex, um, you know. There, there's always that aspect of flexibility, and throughout the spring and the summer months, we were kind of constantly asking ourselves and our coworkers, why aren't people applying for these jobs? These are great. Even the jobs that we would call kind of plum positions, high pay rate, extreme flexibility those are sometimes hard to fill. And we just heard time and time again from our candidates that they would start looking and let us know in September. As always, we'll see in September. And we've definitely seen an uptick in interest. This, again, is in our own microcosm, but it hasn't been any kind of full swing return to normal. Job seekers are in general being really cautious about the school year and their work commitments. Uh, some families have figured out how to make their budget work, budgets work on a lower income level and they're not rushed to change that, that situation or equation. Um, and this forced pause or a little bit of a reset has caused a lot of people to consider or maybe even reconsider what they want from a job or an employer as they move forward, placing more, um, more of a focus on the fit and culture of a job and an organization. Um, On a positive note, right, so one of the ups of this roller coaster is that caregiving has definitely gained visibility and stature. You know, we've seen the kids and pets in the background of Zoom calls for women and men. We've gotten a little glimpse into our coworkers' lives outside the office, and so it's really brought that humanity into the workplace. Um, And for some women, maybe this has created a little space to choose how much of that, you know, extra caregiving burden or responsibility they were taking as they move forward in the traditional workforce. So I know you're not, and at our company, we're not aiming to be the sole solution to any social structure issues or provide advice on the division of any unpaid labor. But I can say that in working with, you know, over the past 10 years, thousands of women, And hundreds of hiring teams, we see our role in this talent space as one of just sharing information to help women and men, caregivers of any gender, return to work to stay in the workforce, if possible, or pivot their careers. So basically, you know, providing options between opting in and opting out or those on-ramps for people returning to paid work.
1: All right. So let's get a little bit more into the specifics here. And, um, you know, we just had a situation posted in our Facebook group. So we have a Facebook group for career thought leaders. These are career services providers who bring challenges that they have with clients. And I have found this more with men than with women. And I'm wondering if you've seen this as well. Though I've got a a colleague who's working with a male client who's been out of the workforce for a couple of years doing the kids raising And now looking to come back to work and having a hard time getting excited about anything. And I have seen this more particularly with men when they take a break, that when they kind of go to get started, everything feels lackluster. Nothing really clicks. Nothing seems exciting. Have you worked with that before? And do you have any tips for our colleague in getting that person reengaged with the workforce?
2: Don't think that that's gender specific. I think we've we've seen that across the board. We do um, quite a lot of, you know, web, it used to be workshops, now it's webinars, but we do quite a lot of work with people who are in various stages, and again, men and women. Um, I, I think that, that the, this lacklusterness that you're describing ties into confidence levels, right? So when we're out of paid work, especially if someone... Identifies with their career and identifies with the value of having that paycheck, and, and there's less societal value on the caregiving responsibilities, at least from a, a money standpoint. That can bring along with it an erosion of confidence over a period of time. And the longer somebody's out of the paid workforce, the the more eroded that can be. And so I think that confidence plays into that quite a lot. The other thing that I think can be happening um, is, you know, when you when you have this forced pause that we're in now or something that someone has been fortunate enough to choose, there, you know, often is a shift in maybe values associated with work. So when someone is thinking about what they want to do next, they they think, well, there's not a match with what I've done immediately in my past. Now what? It's that first time that for a lot of people that they have that opportunity to really dig in and and figure out what they want to do next. So I think I think that can be part of it as well.
1: Yeah, and that identity shifting for any of us as you said men or women, that shifting your identity from being in any kind of job, but sometimes we don't think about it when it's related to childcare, but your identity for two decades has been dad <laughs> or mom and now you're shifting that identity to something else. And this is a challenging transition for anyone, whether it's going into retirement or going out of a home or going into a home, right? I see it with moms in our moms group that when you leave your job and, and are with the kids full-time now, there's an identity shift. Where do I get my sense of purpose? Where do I get my sense of, and you said confidence, um, and, and it is confidence in addition to that feeling of, of meaning and belonging, and maybe at home I was really confident and comfortable and you know, my kids came to me as expert, my wife depended on me in, in this role, and now I've got to move into a different place. And so, um, yeah, let's maybe even circle back around Is What are some of those first steps, not just for this type of person, but for anyone who's wanting to get back into the workforce after a break? What do you suggest as some of those first steps? And I'll maybe have you give me one, and then we're going to go to a break, and we'll come back, and we can continue. Sure,
2: sure. for, sure, you know, for yeah. I love this I love- question because for people getting ready to go back, go back to the paid workforce after a break, the first thing people usually jump to is their resume. It's the first thing we always think of when we're looking for a, for a new job. And while that is a big piece of anybody's career relaunch, it really should come second to getting clear on what you're looking for. That resume is your marketing document and it's kind of like having a, a roadmap to what you're going to be pursuing. Um, So whether pandemic times or not, you know, people usually, like I mentioned, experience some kind of shift while they're on career break, whether it's values, it could be more tactical, like wanting to um, travel less, travel more, manage people, um, if you hadn't done that in the past, or maybe not manage people. So, you know, if if someone's on a career break, and they have a question or questions about what they really want to do in their next job, this is that chance to, you know, get very self-aware. It's almost like developing that that interviewing superpower. You're gonna get so self-aware that you're gonna come across as someone who's very confident in what they're seeking. Um you're gonna know your drivers, you know, you're gonna know your strengths. And it's a really great, really great place to start.
1: Yeah, and strengths can be life giving because they can apply in a lot of different ways, but they start to give you that confidence. If someone's really stressed, strengths can be even more stressful because they aren't specific. Um, but if someone's in that exploration phase, strengths can be very helpful because they give so much life and 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 versatility, if you will. Um, I, this person was talking about how they were focusing in on interests, and I often find that career services providers, you know, maybe um, and or maybe the client doesn't want to talk about several different areas. You talk about values interests, strengths or skills, and then I also talk about the, you know, kind of the experience that you do have, because that is typically what people want to leverage. And I'll, I'll tell a short story when we get back from break, and then we can dive into some other tips that you have for people that are coming back after a break, especially a long break. And we're thinking about taking a break. Maybe we've got some people out there listening who are thinking about taking a break. So we'll talk about some tips for you as well. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, continue talking to Leanne Rod from Flex Professionals about how you can get back into the workforce or take a caregiving break. We'll be right back in just a few minutes.
2: Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com.
0: Business Channel. You are tuned into the Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Leanne Rod, who from Flex Professionals helps people who are taking a caregiving break Either take that break, give them some tips on their way out, or get back into the workforce. So we were talking a little bit about people coming back into the workforce, and just that I'd share a, a quick story of a client I was working with who'd been out of the workforce for about 15 years, taking care of kids, came back, said that she wanted to go into engineering, and hadn't been an engineer for 15 years. And I said, well, what have you been doing, right? Let's talk about the experience that you do have recently, that usually helps people get going, get started thinking, and versus saying, you know, how are we going to fill this gap and and kind of poking at the problem? We go to, what have you been doing? What What is interesting? And for the last 15 years, she'd been very involved in the School programs, Boy Scouts, and volunteer coordinating, especially, and that just lit her up. I said, Well, what would that look like if you moved into doing more of that? And thankfully, she agreed, and that made you know that felt good because a 15 year gap in engineering was going to be a little bit of a challenge. But oftentimes, what people have been doing during the gap can be some clues in terms of what they continue on doing, but not all the time, of course. So what other tips do you have for us, Leanne, in terms of getting back into the workforce after a break?
2: Well, what you just described, Marie, is this perfect example of paying attention to what you'd like to do. I think sometimes the first place we go, you know, as someone who's coming back into the paid work world is, well, what did I do before? And sometimes the things you did before you were good at but you didn't really like doing, and so that story about the engineer and really digging into what um, he or she had been doing um, during during career break during their unpaid time working just shows that you know sometimes there are things that we we can get into these other interests in ways that we weren't even expecting. So I, I love that story. Um, it, it's really uncommon for somebody coming back to pay a paid role or re-entering the job market. Um, who has been out for some period of time to not have questions about what their return path will look like. It's really common because only about a third of people go back to doing what they were doing before, and the other two-thirds either – start a business, they go into consulting, or they make um, either a ma- minor or a major pivot. And so it's, it's really typical. I think sometimes they, people think that they're the only ones that feel that way. So I would just send out through your show and, and through all my conversations that that is, that is not something that you're alone doing, if, if you feel like that describes you. Um, but, you know, other tips... Um, I, I would really lean heavily on networking, you know, hopefully even networking a little bit along the way and keeping, you know, keeping a couple of connections close or growing your network. Networking is so important for people coming back into the paid workforce because on paper, you know, there's, there's a gap and the gap is the gap. We can explain it through, you know, our profile statement or in a cover letter, but there's a gap in our career, career chronology. Sometimes we have volunteer roles that can fill in if they're significant, but oftentimes there's a gap. So on paper, going through traditional, you know, job application portals, someone coming back to work may not stand out. So networking becomes really, um, really important. Um, You can definitely use job boards to help identify companies and and openings that you want to start to target, but, you know... As someone who, in my role, I span the programming and the recruiting function, and I can tell you that when somebody who I've worked with in the past, somebody who we've placed in a job, and I know that they're doing good work, when they refer someone to me, I jump at the chance to Mm -hmm. talk to them and meet them because I know that good employees always can identify other good talent. So that's one more tip. I think that, you know, one other other area where sometimes returners, return-to-work folks, um get a little hung up where it's a little bit of a challenge in the interview because coming back into a, a paid work environment, if we've had an extended career break, that is first and foremost in our minds. That is the last thing we did where it, it's a barrier to, in our own minds to come back into the paid workforce. And that you know that's fine. Go ahead and process that. But when you are in that interview, um, remember that the person across from you uh, either on the de- across the desk or across on the Zoom call, they've already seen your career gap, they've seen your resume, and they have their biggest concern is filling the role with the right candidate. And, you know, they've invited you in to help them solve whatever problem is in front of them. So while that is part of your career story, I would just encourage people to be concise, unapologetic, and then really quickly move into the, the value that they bring to a role
1: right any kind of negative when we dwell on it it creates a dwell versus factual moving on no not you know not getting too much into the details and this where it comes to the challenge of of coming up with those stories and relevant experiences that you can share that aren't mired in the detail of staying at home i kind of always cringed when this was years ago people would talk about putting domestic engineer on your resume and you know talk about how you're organizing schedules those types of things, it's like, we well, got to be really careful. If that's relevant, it can work. If it's not relevant, it just highlights the fact that you don't have relevant experience. And so coming up with those stories that you can tell that really connect the dots is so powerful. Exactly.
2: exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So when we think about people who are considering a career break, maybe you've got women out there who are feeling burned out, They're thinking about taking a break or you've got men whose wives wanted to go back to work and they did and now everyone's struggling and they're thinking, well, maybe it's time for the, you know, the, the dad to take a break. And of course that's a very gender specific, but you know, one person may be thinking about taking a break. Why, what, what could they do? What are some of your tips for someone who's considering that?
2: Another really Another great really question. question. I think there are a lot of people, I know there are a lot of people um, who are in this mode right now and I've been here personally. I know so many you know, friends and family members who have been and just agonized over the decision. Um, I, I would say two things. First is to look at it not as a one or the other. We don't have to be in or out. There's a great, huge gray area in the middle. So if you're currently working, take a look at your... What you might be able to do in order to stay in the workforce to some extent. We are, we're in this um, unprecedented time where employers are trying to hold on to employees, you know, during this great resignation. They're trying to stem the tide. And so I think people underestimate how much negotiating power they have in the things that they're good at and they want to keep doing. So when you're you know, you're planning to quit anyhow, there's almost no downside to reengineering for you know, for better or for worse, your role to better match your needs. Um, there's this great five or six step framework for doing this in the designing your work life book by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, which is basically assessing your current role, building the business case for change and pitching it to your manager. And if your manager doesn't bite you can revamp it and try again or maybe pitch it to the manager of another department that you've worked closely with. You know, everybody does this, but especially women, we sometimes hear no to request at work and take that as the final answer. And I would say almost everything is negotiable. And if you're going to leave your role anyway, you really don't have a lot to lose. Um, the other thing that I would encourage people to do, and this is not meant by any means to be a scare tactic, it's more of an eyes wide open approach to, to leaving a role, is to really fully do the math. And, and you know, for example, I work with people who say, well, I looked at my job and I looked at the cost of childcare and it, I wasn't going to make anything in, in the end. I was going to pay everything for childcare. And that may be true, but that's the short term costs. Those are easy to calculate. There's less pay, there's less expenses. And you can do that math really easily. The long-term costs are a little bit trickier. And um, you're taking into account your lifetime earnings, you know, that compounded retirement savings plan, your increased salary due to advancement. And really taking that into account to better make that decision, um, I think can be really helpful.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of factors that go into it. And as you've said, that it's not just the right now, you also have to calculate the opportunity cost. And if you completely leave the workforce now, you might have a harder time getting back in than you think you will. You might have, uh, you know, it may not be, but it may not be all it's cracked up to be. Like You think life will be simpler if you leave that job, but then I I don't know. I just think not everyone was made to be a stay-at-home parent or, you know, if you have an opportunity to have something more flexible, and I love your suggestion to have the conversation because you don't know what flexibility options might be available to you depending on the type of work you do. Of course, some jobs, that's just not a thing, but you might be able to find a job where there's more flexibility Instead of just completely leaving the workforce. And then I know um, I'm going to talk about this a little bit after our break, but entrepreneurship is also a huge, hugely increasing right now, especially among women. And so there might be an opportunity to do some contracting, do some side gig type things that would keep you in the loop and your skills current so that you don't have that huge break and and challenge getting back in that. Some people have. Not everyone has that, of course. So those are just some thoughts that I had, too. I really appreciated your time and sharing your expertise, Lillianne. How can people find you and connect to you and follow your great content and learn more?
2: So I would say you can come to our website, which is um, www.flexprofessionalsllc.com. You can see resources, open jobs. We are um, in the Boston and D.C. metro areas. So if you're in one of those two metro areas, we'd love to meet you. You can also connect with us through social at um, LinkedIn is at Flex Professionals-Boston. And Facebook is at Flex Professionals-Boston.
1: Excellent. Well, I so appreciate you sharing all of your expertise. And I hope people will reach out to you. Such a great our organization and so timely (laughs) to be offering the services that you offer. We're going to take a short break. We'll say goodbye to Leanne, but we'll be back here on Career Confidant. Thank you so much, Leanne.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation.
1: Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what
2: opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff.
1: Welcome back to the Career Confidant, And today we were talking with Leanne Rod from Flex Professionals about how caregivers can return to work. And this is a opportunity for people. She also talked about, you know, if you're thinking about leaving the workplace, your negotiating position is it will never be better. So it might be an opportunity to negotiate for yourself. But just thinking about in in both situations, whether you're looking to return or looking to take a break, oftentimes when we are stressed out, our thinking defaults to black and white thinking. And black and white thinking is almost always faulty because nothing is black and white, right? So when we think about taking that break, does it have to be all in or break? What are the options in between? And they are probably endless. It all takes starting with that focus first. Really thinking about what are the stressors? what is, What are the breaking points? What do you wish for? What would be ideal? And then checking that ideal. For many caregivers and, and especially parents of young children, you may feel like, Just being at home and not having to do all the things would be helpful, but there are some value, there's some, you know, you will lose some things when you do that. You lose your professional identity, you lose your connections to the adult world. And when you make that decision, you want to think about how you will address those new challenges that this transition might solve. And that if you are struggling to manage your time now, what will you do to help manage your time? Because you won't really get more time. You will find that people want that time. They think that now you're not working. They can put more on you in other ways. And you will still need to set boundaries and manage your time. There may be more going on than that can solve in your current situation and making a change may be important. And if we don't consider those other important aspects, you may just jump in, you know, from one bad situation to another because you're not considering your actions that will need to change no matter how the situation changes and for women especially there you know we have in our dna that we are going to do everything we are the helper we're the you know whatever it might be especially if we've been the main caretaker while doing other things that could intensify when you leave your job and being able to set boundaries ask your partner for help communicate will be just as important if not more And that conversation with yourself first and then with your partner is going to be important when you make that transition. There is a piece of that identity shift that it will be important to address. If you are going into something different... You know, you want to do a flexible, as Leanne said, approaching your current company first to have that conversation might have much more fruitful end than you imagine because they're hurting so much for talent right now. That won't apply to all organizations and all types of jobs. But if there are people with more flexible roles in your company, even if it's not your current role. If there are people with more flexible roles in your current company, go and have that conversation with your organization. It may not be your direct boss that you want to have that conversation with. It may be HR. It may be the manager of the other type of job where you do see people have more flexibility. But if you aren't having those conversations, then it's going to make your transition more challenging because they are the most likely to offer you that flexibility. You're already there. You already know those systems. You, you can do that. And they probably have positions open in those other areas that they would be happy to have someone who's already a proven person take over instead of having to start over with someone new. So have those conversations and then think about the other ways that you could leverage your skills and maybe keep some sort of balance not balance, I hate the word balance, <laughs> integration, some sort of toe in the water in your professional life. Because if you don't, it's going to not just be harder to transition back, but it's also going to cause some of those challenges that I was talking about earlier in terms of losing your professional connections, losing your your ability to connect with others and stay-at-home dads perhaps experience this more than stay-at-home moms because, from what I can see, there's it's hard to connect to a community. So this doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, uh, and no matter who your partner is, right? If you are thinking about making that shift to staying at home, um, thinking about ways you can keep your toe in the professional water we will have several benefits. Entrepreneurship, contracting, you know, a lot of times people think of entrepreneurship as this big, scary thing. But what if it was just you talking to a few people who could use your services on a on a consistent basis as a contractor? Boom, there you go. Now you have entrepreneurship. But it doesn't have to be big, scary, something new. It could even be just doing the things that you're already doing on a part-time basis for one or more people and not having that full-time job. It may not come to your earning potential in your full-time job, but it could give you enough to pay for preschool a couple of days a week or a babysitter a couple of days a week and keep your toe in the professional water even if you're not making a whole bunch of money. even. And I would talk to my sister about this. Even if you're losing a little bit of money, the opportunity cost and the pain of getting back into the work world will, will have a cost. And so if you are almost breaking even or breaking even on those childcare costs versus working part-time, over the long run, it it has positive benefits for your career and perhaps your mental health as well. Now, if you are trying to get back into the workforce, we'll start where we always start with WISE. WISE is my model for figuring out where you wanna go next. This is what you wanna do, those skills and and experiences, well, E is experiences, but those skills that you really wanna use. The I is the interests, right? Where do you wanna work? The S is skills. Oh my goodness, I just messed this one up today. <laughs> so the W is why, and that's what she was talking about in terms of values. If you are struggling with getting back to work, it may be just time to sit down and really think about, do I want to go back to work or do I feel like I have to go back to work? If this, like my colleague's client had been out of work for two decades, so I'm guessing the kids are older There's no reason, quote unquote, to stay at home anymore. So that why might feel a little forced, like I have to go back to work, right? The kids are graduating high school and there's nothing for me to stay at home for anymore. And how can we get past that to what would be fulfilling in your days? What would bring you interest What would help you lose track of time? And we can do all of those things based on volunteer activities, based on anything that you've done in your work life. What are those activities that bring you that sense of purpose and interest and connection? Because when you feel like you have to go back to work, that there's a negative, right? And that negative just seeps into everything. What do you want to do with your days? What do you want to do with your time? If money didn't matter, what would you do with your time? Sometimes those things are just hobbies. Sometimes they give us inklings into things that could be work. And there are people that make money doing all kinds of things, right? Especially even more has moved online with COVID. There are so many opportunities out there. So values, why do you want to work? What do you want out of work? Interests, where do you want to work? What types of people do you want to work with? Then skills, what types of tasks do you enjoy doing and strengths fit in there? And then experience, what experience do you have? Because unless you want to go back to school and get a degree, a new degree and start something new, we're going to be leveraging your existing experiences as we move into that next phase of your career. And those can be leveraged in many different ways. And very creatively, it doesn't mean you have to go back into what you were doing. And when it comes down to it, the employers want to know what experiences do you have that show you have these skills that we're looking for that show you can do this job and we can connect those dots We wanna start with what experiences you've really enjoyed. We can pull out the stories, pull out the the skills, and be able to transfer those to something new. And different people are gonna be pulled by different areas. And you might be really keyed into where you wanna work, a certain cause or a certain industry that's really interesting. And then we kinda figure out what skills will be the most connected in that industry or the easiest to get into that industry. Or you may have skills and strengths that you really wanna use and you've really enjoyed coordinating volunteers or whatever it is. And so then we look at the industries where those skills would fit. When I look at all four areas with people, it makes a lot more sense than if we just focus on one or the other. And a lot of times some of the self-help resources don't necessarily cover all four areas. So make sure you've found resources A career services provider, webinars, whatever, that can help you look through all four of those areas. And then some pictures can start to emerge of what really does matter and what's going to drive your decision right now that may be different than what would have driven your decision even two years ago. The shifts that have happened in our value systems across the world have really changed how we look at work. And then we can put that together with the realistic picture of what we need out of work and find that place where the two shall meet. This is what I love to do. This is what I need to live my life. And where can we find those creative options, not black or white, you know, you know, just be able to avoid and, and really think about and conscious of that black and white thinking. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about seven steps that you can take to re-engage if your career has taken a break and you're ready to get started again. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
0: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call one 866 472 5790 That's one 866 472 5790 You may also send an email to Marie at a com. Now, back to the Career Confidant.
1: All right, so let's talk about seven steps to re-entering the workforce and wise is is where I where I'd start. Why do you want to work? Really tapping into what do you want out of work? Is it, you know, the people part of it and wanting that interaction? Is it financial? There's nothing wrong with that. Write it down. Know what your numbers are. Is it to, you know, fulfill a certain purpose or need or give back or whatever that looks like? And it's obviously not one or the other, but you really want to explore what is it that you're wanting out of work right now? If it's just to get out of the house, then, you know, we're going to look for places where it's not too deep and dark and you'll have to bring it home. And there's a good team to interact with either virtually or in person. But we can't look for that if you don't know what you're looking for. This can be some values assessments, values card sorts, anything career values. If you Google career values and do anything that will help you really think about what do you want out of work right now? Then the interest piece where do you want to work? What types of industries are interesting or causes are a good draw for you? The skills and strengths, their skills card source, there's skills assessments you can do. I love the strengths finder, it's a little bit more uh, obtuse, it's not directly related to like work skills, but it can be helpful. And also, you'll get skills out of your experience stories. Really thinking about what have you enjoyed, what experiences have you really felt like you were, you know, losing track of time, enjoying what you were doing, and those don't have to be paid experiences; those can be volunteer experiences that you've had while you were out of the the paid workforce. Then after you've started to get those four areas together, I love the five lives activity for these for for you and if you're returning, and I learned about this five lives activity from Susan Britton. Who um, wrote tons of career books in the last decade? uh, Susan Britton Whitcomb, and she talks about just sitting down and daydreaming five different jobs. If you got a job doing this, what would that look like? And you really want to sit in it, what would you be seeing? What would you be hearing? What would you be doing? And you're sitting in that space of of those jobs. And I would wait to do that until after I've gone through the wise process because the building blocks are often easier to put together than the vision. And sometimes people feel differently, but when I work with people who are in a transition, oftentimes sitting down and doing visioning as their first activity is, is overwhelming. It's sometimes even a negative experience because you just don't know what it looks like. When you go through the wise building blocks first, then you sit down and you think about, okay, what are five different ways I could apply those? And you start to really imagine what that could look at look like. And you're gonna see some things that might be three steps down the road or not really, you know, not realistic, but that they're that daydream and that's okay. From each piece, no matter how far out it seems, you're going to gather data. What is driving you to be interested in that? What is what are the important parts of that vision? And you can start to bring that data back together. Then I want you to start talking to people. Go out and talk to people who do some of the things you think you might want to do. I don't call these informational interviews. Uh, that term is outdated and if, don't ask people for an informational interview. Just say, hey, I'd love to learn more about what you do. Would you have 15 minutes? Could I buy you a virtual coffee? Send them a Starbucks card or you know, whatever kind of card you want through the virtual systems. Buy them a cup of coffee and ask them, what they do, how'd they get into it, what do they love about it most, what are some of the downsides? Four simple questions. And there you go, you've got someone talking about what they do, you're building rapport, you're building a network, and you're also gathering some information. This is where the rubber starts to hit the road because right away, even if someone else is really excited about what they do, your internal filter is gonna go, "Mm, nope, not so much, especially when you have that wise framework first, and then you start to add those conversations on top of it. But it gets it out of your head or off the computer and starting to talk to real people where you're gonna have more of an emotional reaction to the information that they share and that's a good thing then you can do a job descriptions audit so as you're talking to these people you're looking at job descriptions that they've had that they held right now these are these do not have to be in your city in your state in your exact industry you're you don't want to be looking for jobs at this point that's going to be frustrating you want to be looking at job descriptions getting an idea of titles what is starting to feel like a fit and why and what seems realistic I always have those two grading grids with people, interest level one to five and realistic one to five. If something's, you know, not realistic at all, but it's really interesting. Then we start looking at the building blocks. How will you work your way towards that? If something is really interesting and really realistic, great. And then some might be some things in the middle where we have to look at, are there some steps? How would we get there? Then you start looking at your stories that align with those job descriptions so the job descriptioners are going to be asking for specific skills you want to dig back to your experiences paid and unpaid where you've used those skills so that you can start to build a story library that connects the dots between what you have experience with and what these new jobs are looking for now you might have noticed that we've gone through steps one through five without talking about your resume or your LinkedIn profile. That is often as uh, Leanne said, that's where people start and it really makes it hard. Start with the exploration, start with the conversations, get the focus first and then your resume will come together with those stories that I was just talking about. And then you can network and apply. Go back to those people that you did those career conversations with and let them know, hey, I've decided to go in this direction. You're, you were so much help in helping me get clarity. Here's where I've decided to go. Is there anyone in that field that you could introduce me to or that you would suggest I talk to? Are there any companies that you would suggest I start following that are in that arena? You can go back to those people. And of course, you can then have new conversations with new people that are in the areas that you've selected. So why's first that's your foundation. Why do you want to work? What do you want out of work? Where do you want to work? What skills and and strengths do you want to use? And then how you, will you leverage your experiences? Then do some visioning, some five lives. Get do do all five because you're going to have some boring ones and some over the top ones and then some in the middle. Career conversations with people who do some of those things you dream about. How did they get there? What do the steps look like? Job descriptions, start gathering the ones that are interesting and really looking at the themes. What are they looking for? And why are they interesting to you? Building your story library. What experiences do you have that match up with these skills and experiences that these jobs are looking for? Then you start to build your resume and profiles from those stories and then start networking and applying. And if you're going to apply online, you want to make sure you have 70% or more of the qualifications. It's a good thing to do to watch and see what's out there. What are people actually posting and to not miss ones where you'd be in a, a good applicant. And then you want to spend your time networking, learning about companies, learning about roles that might be a good fit for you and building those connections that can help you be that referred candidate into a new job. If you have any questions or other materials that you'd like to see us cover here on the show, please reach out to me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And if you are a career services provider, we'd love to have you as part of our free community. If you want to shoot me a message, we'll get you connected. We always love to share resources and questions amongst our groups so that we can all be better at what we do. We look forward to seeing you right back here again next week.